the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Crosswalk. My name is Scott Bloyer. No, it's not Gino Dracy. Just filling in for him. My name's uh, Scott, and I'm the lead pastor at Elevation Christian Church. And over the last hour, we've been talking about ministry leadership and the struggle that leaders have been going through over the last couple of years as we've seen things pivot time and time again. Like I said, I don't even like using the word pivot anymore. It hurts. And so we're very fortunate to have my good friend, Jeff Surratt, joining in. He is the executive director of Rethink Leadership. He's also pastor extraordinaire, um, author of several books. Um, I truly believe that he's as good as he is because his wife has made him better. Does that sound about right? That sounds about right, yeah. That sounds about right. Hey, hey, Jeff, how you doing, bud? Good. How are you? Good. Hey, so over the last hour, we've been talking about how uh, Barner Research was sharing information about the state of pastors and that two out of five pastors are actually considering quitting full-time ministry. Um, I, I wanted to hear your opinion, your perspective on what you see within the ministry leaders that you're working with. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, Scott, it's fun being on with you. Did you have a message you wanted me to give to my wife, Sherry? You mentioned her. Is there anything you'd like to pass along to her? You're or? you're funny. You're funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell her I love her. Yeah, you betcha. Okay. So just for your listeners in the backdrop, Scott's one of my best friends in the world. But uh, when we very first met, we were we were talking on the phone, and we had, we had met each other's wives one time and got out to eat. And I'm driving home, and the phone rings, and Scott, and I say, hey, man, how are you? And we talk for a minute about some ministry stuff. And then as I'm about to hang up, Scott says, hey, tell Sherry I love her. And then he hangs up, and I thought, well, that seemed rather intimate for our first, you know, one of our first conversations. And, and then in a minute, you call back, and I answer it. You said, yeah. oh, my gosh, I can't yeah. believe I did that. Yeah. I had just <laughs> talked to my wife and not even thinking, I went, hey, tell your wife I love her. Yeah. <laughs> So we we have that kind of yes. relationship. You're awesome. Yeah, buddy. Scott, it's fascinating, right? Um, now you're talking. I've been listening to a great conversation around what's going on with pastors, and you know, I think it would extend out to anyone who's in leadership yeah. over the last two or three years. Leadership's always tough, right? You like, bet. Like um, someone once said, "How do you know you're?" A leader, it's because of all the uh, uh, bullet holes in your back. You know? mm. <laughs> yeah. People are people are chasing you down, and so leadership's hard. It is. It's what those of us who you know, those of you who own businesses, those of you who are, are managers or or you lead at work in some way, you, you get it. There's always people who think you're not doing a very good job. There's always people who are disappointed in your decisions like that. That's a part of leadership. But Scott, I'd love to hear you know your perspective. But as I talk to men and women who are in pastoral leadership across the country, what I hear is it, it was hard until March of 2020, and then it suddenly almost became impossible. Right. Because all of a sudden we're having to give the right answer to questions that 
we never even thought about. Like, I don't know about you, Scott, but when I, I went to Bible college, I know you did as well. Um, they never had a course in no. how do you take your church online in one week. Yeah. Like that, that didn't come up. You bet. Yeah, that that was one of the things at the beginning of, of the show. I was like, no one was trained how to do ministry in a pandemic, how to do ministry right. within racial uncertainty, how to do ministry with, you know, economic uh, Upturn, you know, is I mean, just all right. those things, and so yeah, I agree with you. With no one prepared you to do that, no. And then the other side of it, and the side that you know, if you're not in pastoral ministry, you may not always have this perspective. But here, here's what has been happening with pastors: as you make a decision in the pandemic, and here's what leadership is: leadership is making the best decision you have with the information on hand at the time. Yeah. Like no one ever has perfect information. No. That's why there are no perfect decisions. And so all through the pandemic, pastors have had to make the best decision they could with the information they had. And so some pastors said, we're going to close down. Some pastors said, we're going to stay open. Some pastors said, we're going to have everyone wear masks. Others said, we're going to leave that up to individuals. Like there's been decisions across the, across the spectrum. And, and, and I, under, I understand the, the thinking behind all those decisions. But here's what you might not see if you're not in pastoral ministry. When your pastor made that decision, someone wrote, sat down and wrote an email and said, that's the worst decision you could have made. That's a horrible decision. I can't believe you did that. Yep. And then someone else sat down and wrote an email that said, I can't believe you took so long to make that decision. That decision should have been made six months ago. I can't believe you waited so long. Yep. And then a third person sat down and wrote an email and said, I don't like the way you communicated that decision. Therefore, we're not going to come to this church anymore. And some of my friends are just like, yeah. you know, you didn't get into this uh, uh, being in ministry just to be a people pleaser. That wasn't the goal. No. But I think it was, was it Lincoln that said, you can't please all the people all the time. But I've had several pastors, and I won't name names, but Scott, you're one of them, who said <laughs> over the last couple of yes, years, sir. you can certainly make everybody mad at the same time. Oh, yeah, time. without a doubt. And, and it it just, it wears on you, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and I think, you know, one of the things that we were talking in the earlier hour is also that um, certain individuals in leadership, whether they chose it or not, don't have a comfortable environment where they can share those struggles. Right. And, right. and so speaking to that, what are some things that you think pastors can do to to maybe move into that 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 room, um, whether it's with other pastors or friends or whatever, where they can get that 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 opportunity to yeah. share? Yeah. You know, I'm just going to tag on to what you've been saying over the last few minutes is I know in Aurora over at Elevation at the church that you pastor. That, that there are several pastors who just come over to the coffee shop. You guys just sit down, you hang yep. out, you share what's what's hard, you share what's funny, uh, and and you pray for each other. And I got to tell you, I'm an introvert, so the idea of just rolling up to that coffee shop where I don't know anybody, and 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 walking in to a bunch of guys who know each other, uh, that's really scary to me. But it's not nearly as scary as doing this alone. Yes, sir. I, I would say that whether you're a pastor or business owner or whatever leadership role you're in, if you're a stay-at-home mom, mm. I, I think you need to be connected with other people who get it, yeah. like other stay-at-home moms, other business leaders. I know, like, when I moved here to Denver, I didn't know anyone, and one of my first 
conversations was with you at Caribou Coffee right. over in Aurora. And I walked away from that going, I know one guy now. And now I have at least one guy that when things are rough, I can talk to him. And you and I have had that relationship. Yes, and sir. we've got other friends like that. What I would say proactively, Scott, like I'm really good at not answering the question. <laughs> this question was, you do good, you man. Know, what, what, what practically do you do? If you are in leadership, I would put at the top of my priority list, I have to get connected with others who do what I do. Yeah. Whether that means showing up at a coffee shop. Like, honestly, when I first got here, I just started looking through social media, trying to figure out who are the other pastors in town. And I just started cold calling some of them and yeah. just saying, hey, would you have coffee with me? And, you know, I'm an introvert. Like, I don't like doing that. But I knew I had to have that, 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 that person who would walk through this with me. You know, within the church world, we talk about small groups. I don't know if your church has, I know yours yes. is Scott, our yeah. listeners. I don't know if your church has small groups. It, it doesn't matter. What I do know is, is, is trying to do any type of leadership without a group of people who get you, you and get what you do, it, it's just impossible. I mean, yep. just one more thing. And it, it, We're getting ready to go on a break, note, so yeah. Okay. Well, I'll just finish by you, saying if Jesus couldn't do ministry alone, I can't do ministry alone. Oh, no, I agree. And you're listening to Crosswalk. My name is Scott Blair. I'm the lead pastor of Elevation Christian Church. Along with me is my good friend, Jeff Surratt. He is the executive director of Rethink Leadership. And today we're talking about what does it look like to lead in a pandemic, especially when it comes to our church leadership and the struggle they're going through. Thank you for tuning in. This is Crosswalk. Welcome back to Crosswalk. No, it's not Gino Geraci. He's not here. My name is Scott Blair. I get to fill in for Gino um, as we continue to talk about just the state of leadership. Um, Barna Research through the podcast Church Pulse Weekly with David Kinnaman and Kerry Newhoff, they shared statistics that were saying nearly two in five pastors have considered quitting full-time ministry. And uh, along with us today, we have my good friend Jeff Surratt from Rethink Leadership. He's the executive director there. And um, uh, Jeff and I have met several times, and not even jokingly, if it's a Monday, I'm just going to tell you your pastor's already thinking about quitting, because that's when pastors thinking about quitting is Monday, because they've They've seen butts, budgets, and all that kind of stuff, and now they're like, uh, I don't know if I could do this. And unfortunately, at one point in time, uh, Jeff introduced me to a church planner who was coming here to Colorado, and he was going to plant a church, and Jeff's like, hey, you want to meet? And we met Monday morning. And I'm sure that guy, after he got done talking to me, went, there is no reason I want to start a church here. This guy's depressing. But Jeff has always been an encouragement uh, to me and to other leaders, and so uh, it, it's it's I'm I'm blessed, I'm fortunate to have him as a friend, um, and so Jeff, as we you know continue wait, to talk, wait wait wait, but I'm confused, I'm confused. This isn't Gino. <laughs> yeah, different hairdo. That's that's really I what it is. I was talking to Gino. Okay, well I'll do this. <laughs> that sounds good, Scott. Let's yeah, go. you dog. Um, but um, you, you were you were saying that you know Jesus couldn't do ministry alone. So why do we expect us to be able to do that? And and you were talking about small groups and and you shared even how when you moved here you were reaching out to different leaders. Um, and I, I thought it was interesting. You shared the perspective of an introvert because I'm not. You know we always joke. You're the one that could go hold up. I'm. You know after two minutes I'm like I got to talk to someone. Um, what do you think? 
when it comes to personalities like that, when, when it comes to over the last couple of years in leadership, what do you think are the positive and negatives of being an introvert um, during something like this? And what, you know, uh, being an extrovert, what, what did that do when it came to the last couple of years? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I call myself a functioning introvert. So I, I don't, I don't dislike people. I just, uh, you know, I, I need time to recharge away from right. people. And so parts of the, parts of the moving to online, some of you listening might have used to work in an office and now you're, you know, now you're working from home or, or working from home more often. For an introvert, obviously there's some natural parts of that that, that are great. I talked to a friend uh, who is uh, a uh, young mom and she, she said that there are parts of the lockdown part that she, she actually really enjoyed because mm-hmm. uh, she is a very much an introvert and she was in a small group at her church and her church, her small group went all online. And she said, that was great. She's a young mom. So when my baby cries, I just, I just put, you know, put it on mute and I can stay involved. And so very positive parts about that. I know for extroverts, you know, one of our mutual friends, a pastor here in town is a, is an extrovert like you are, Scott. And this was really, this has been really, really hard for him. And uh, he recently, you know, was contracted COVID and had to go, he's fine, but he had to, go through another quarantine and it was really, really mm. mentally difficult. Right. And, and I think what, I think the important thing for all of us is to recognize like how did God wire me up and, and accept that. Like, it's not good to be an introvert. It's not bad. It's what right. God, God made me, but then to be very aware of what can happen. Like for an introvert to just hold up, to not interact and to do that over a long period of time, that's a very negative thing. We, we go to dark places yeah. in our minds. That's where Satan lives. You bet. In those dark places, that's when he starts telling us, you know, we're not good enough, that this is never going to end, that God has rejected us. And that, that that's those moments. I think that's true whether we're extrovert or introvert. And so I think it's very important to be a student of yourself, right? Mm. And to step back and go, what circumstances take me into those those times when Satan's voice, which he, you know, I wish he would announce himself as, hey, this is Satan. But you when, bet. when that voice begins to talk to me about my inadequacy and, and my, my lack and my distance from God, to be able to go, when do those things happen and how am I going to react against that? No, I, I think that's great. And especially with the alone part, I think, you know, one of the things that even before, um, all that we've gone through over the last couple of years. I really think there were a lot of pastors, whether introverted, extroverted, were spending too much time alone because whether they were in a small church where they were the only guy and they were in an office by themselves or they were in a, a large church and they were the, the the guy or gal and they had no one coming to them or have that opportunity that we we start to get into our own head. You know whether I, you know I, whether it's just like you said the voice of Satan or we just get into our own head and we start thinking well if I would have done this I would have done that it would have changed a lot of you know where I'm at now it just amazes me um, when you when you meet with pastors what would you say is the first thing you hear out of them when it comes to what they're doing in ministry right now. You know I think for most pastors they're just trying to figure out what's the new normal and. It, uh, should we be doing church just like we were in uh, February of 2020, or does this mean that church has completely changed? And 
for many pastors. Um, you know, where are some of our, our key volunteers? I've talked to so yeah. many pastors that have said, we just have people that were key to our church, such important parts of our of our kids' ministry, or of our music ministry, or our, our groups, or whatever, and they've, they've just evaporated. We, we don't know what where they are, and it's, it's, it's both mystifying and disappointing, but also just, Scott, uh, this may not, again, this might be inside baseball, but it just hurts. Yeah. It just is painful to think about that family that you love and you've cared for, and you were there when their baby was born. And you, yeah. you, you walked with them through when their mom died, and, 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 and just all of that love and care, and then COVID, and then now they're gone. And yeah. I think for most pastors, if you drill right down to the heart of it, it's that pain of loss that is probably the biggest thing they're dealing with. And, and and with that, I don't think because of, like you said, we've had to make decisions and move and change in such a rapid succession that also lends us to an opportunity because of the pain, not be able to grieve, not be able to go, you know, this is where I'm hurting or this is what hurt. It's like, well, I get it, but I've got to move on to the next thing because now I've got to do this, this, and this, and I didn't plan to, so... You know, I, I, is that something you're seeing where people aren't even able to grieve that pain? Absolutely. Yeah, not grieve that pain. And I think also for some of us, and we come from all kinds of church backgrounds, but for some of us, I don't think our theology, I don't think we have a, a strong theology of suffering. Mm. I think we have yeah. a theology of going from win to win to win to win, triumph, 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 good, good, good. Today's good. Tomorrow's going to be better. And I love that, man. I love, I love that feeling of hope. But then when I read the Psalms, I realize that's not how David lived his life. Uh, when I read the Gospels, that's not how Jesus lived his life. And so I think for some of us, it's been a shock. It's a shock to our system yeah. that we don't, we don't understand how to grieve. We don't understand. And you, Scott, you have such a, a great handle on this idea that grief is, grief is a part of the Christian life. Yes. Like God, it's not an accident. It's, it's a part of discipleship, mm-hmm. and I, I think a lot of us don't have that that depth. Uh, you know, Ed, that was one of the things this last week I was reading through Romans chapter 8, and, you know, he talks about how we have this, but yet <laughs> it's not to the point where it's going to be perfect. And so um, mm-hmm. the, the kind of thing I've been thinking about is we are in the meantime, right? In the meantime, mm-hmm. from our decaying body to our heavenly body, in the meantime before, you know, when uh, we, we're— we're going to be perfected and, and standing before Christ. And, and so that meantime can actually be pretty mean uh, when it comes to who we are and the relationships right. around us. Um, but, hey, uh, this is Crosswalk. My name's Scott Bloyer. I'm the lead pastor of Elevation Christian Church. I'm filling in for Gino Geraci. Um, my good friend Jeff Surratt is here with me. Um, he's the executive director of Rethink Leadership, and we've been talking about um, pastors and the struggle that they've been going through over the last couple of years and, and having to see statistics where they're saying nearly two in five pastors have considered quitting full-time ministry. What we're going to do is in the, the next few minutes after this break is we're going to talk about what Jeff's doing with Rethink Leadership and all of the new ministry opportunities we have. 
Welcome back to Crosswalk. My name is Scott Bloyer. I'm the lead pastor of Elevation Christian Church out in Aurora, Colorado. And if you don't have a place to connect with, we'd love to have you. Go to elevationcc.com. You can find out more information about who we are and what we do. Um, we have two experiences Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045. Um, just would like to open that up for those that might be interested in being a part of it. Um, we're not, we're a church that doesn't take ourselves serious. We take Jesus serious, but we don't take ourselves serious. In fact, as you walk through the doors of our building, um, it says it's okay to not be okay. And we want to remind people um, that that's an opportunity. But over the last hour, we've been uh, talking with um, Jeff Surratt. He is the executive director of Rethink Leadership. We've been talking about pastors and ministry and all that men and women have been struggling uh, with and through over the last couple of years. Um, but I'd like to take things and change it because one of the things that Jeff mentioned was that during these last couple of years, we've been able to change some of the ways we do ministry. In fact, he mentioned having a young lady that she, he knew that then started doing her small group online and was able to have her child there. And 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 we're seeing that continue. In fact, at, at Elevation CC, we have two or three groups that are still meeting online because it enables young couples who can't afford babysitters or can't always leave their children and go out, but they can still be a part of a community group. And, and that's one of the things. And so, Jeff, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to speak to maybe some of the innovation that you're hearing about when it comes to ministry, especially within your your position at Rethink Leadership. Yeah, and I love uh, the topic of innovation. Um, I think God is always doing something new. Um one of the, my favorite scriptures is just behold and watch and see. I'm not saying it right, but just see that God, that I'm doing something new. I'm doing a new right. thing. And I think, uh, not to keep going back to, you know, what we've been through for the last couple of years, but it is, it's impacted everything. And I think even in church, we've gotten complacent. We've had a, mm-hmm. a model of church that it feels like, oh, this is the way church has been since since the New Testament, and the truth is it's not. A right. lot of the ways that a lot of our churches do church really goes back, a lot of it goes back to the 1970s, 1980s, even the, the older ways that we might do church only goes back to about the, the 1940s. And so I think it was it's time for us as Christ followers to innovate, to find new ways to introduce people who don't know Jesus to the gospel and to, to church. Some of the things that I'm seeing is, is what you're describing, like how do we use online as, an, as a way for church to not be just in a sacred hour on Sunday morning, right. 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 1045. I think that's super important. Like I think gathering, for me, in my faith, gathering with a group of believers at a certain time of week is an important thing. But what I'm seeing that's exciting is I can also, right now, when we get done with this with this discussion, Scott, I can go online and I can connect with my church. Yeah. I can learn uh, uh, from the Gospels. I can learn about how to build, be a better Christian, be a better relationship, because churches are discovering that church doesn't isn't one hour on Sunday morning. That's connection time. Yeah, but that's that, that's not church. I think the, the innovation that we're seeing there. Another thing I I'm seeing, and this is kind of I love this is. There, there was a movement that I was a part of a few years ago that some of you may be familiar with, uh, the, the multi-site church movement, where one church would meet in different locations. And early on in that movement, that was really big churches 
that were opening other really big churches, and they were all staying connected. But now I'm beginning to see that churches are opening new sites that are much smaller. Maybe there's 50 yeah. people, or maybe there's 30 people, but they're staying connected to each other as a larger body. And I just think there's some fun, cool innovation in that of how can we how can we have the advantage of being connected with two, three, four, five other bodies that have the same kind of beliefs and practices that we do, but we can also be a local expression, but it doesn't have to be a thousand people or right. five hundred people or two hundred people to be a vibrant expression of the body of Christ. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we know of several churches here in our own area that are doing a great job of, you know, uh, I I think of Ron Johnson at Restoration and what they're doing with um, house church. I I don't use that. I use that language, but that's not really what it is. It's it's within their their whole church. They're having smaller churches that meet together. And I think he's doing a great job of that. Um, Anything that you see outside of that as well when it comes to new things and new ministry that's happening? You know, I just, uh, here's what's been fun for me is uh, it's just like an industry. What, What happens in business is if one business does well in a certain area, all the other businesses want to learn how they did it. And then they, Oh. Churches, churches actually been the same way. Like if one church does well, then all the other churches want to. Well, let's go figure. Fun spot. Over the last year, everyone has had to step back and go. Uh, what we're doing, what we were doing before, is no longer effective. We've got to figure out something new. Who has this all figured out? And let's go copy them. And the answer is nobody. Nobody has everything figured out. Right. So we're all innovators. As pastors, we all have that opportunity. I know you and Elevation, you're trying some some things you hadn't tried before. And I know you mentioned our friend Ron Johnson. He's he's trying some things he's never tried before. And I'm with some other churches. And so and to point and say, you know, here's the new thing. I don't know what it is. Right. I know that God God is stirring up lots of leaders, men, women, young, old, to say, you know, we're not, we don't have to do it the way we've always done it anymore. Now we have this opportunity to, to try something different, something new. And, and with you and Rethink Leadership, you're, you're going to have an event in, um, in uh, February, correct? Yeah, uh, it's like February. It's going to be in April. But April, sorry. That's okay. That's okay. I took uh, off my reading glasses. It, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our event is at the end of April. Um, it's in Atlanta. It's actually something that was started a few years ago. You've mentioned Kerry Newhoff right. a few times and with Church Pulse and some of the research that he's done with David Kinnaman over there. Well, Kerry uh, uh, was, uh, started this, this thing called Rethink under the umbrella of a company called Orange. And early on, I was involved with Kerry and uh, a couple other guys who started it. And then Kerry has uh, moved into some other areas. And so they they came and said, hey, would you take the baton from Kerry and, and move forward. And this whole thing of rethink leadership, it's, it's, for, it's for pastors. And our, our entire focus is exactly what you just said. What's next? What is God doing next in the church? So what we're trying to do is just gather pastors who are all asking that same question. We're trying to bring in some people who are thinking outside the box, both in church and in, 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 in the marketplace, and just to gather, reason to gather and go, you know what? 
what could we try? What, what do we feel like God is saying? And let's experiment, and then let's learn from each other. So that's what our whole conference is about uh, in April, is just pastors gathering in Atlanta and really trying to work together, learn together, get to know each other, not do ministry alone, and figure out what's next in a group environment. And you, you guys are going to have breakouts. You've got different speakers and, and different events that are going to go along with that. Um, and so if someone wanted to find out more about it, what's the best way for them to do that right now? Yeah, go to our website, RethinkLeadership.com. That's RethinkLeadership.com. And really what I'd love for you to do, if, if you're interested at all, is, is we have a, an every other week newsletter where, where it's not just, hey, here's what Jeff thinks. We just link to thinkers all over the world in all kinds of different areas to give you resources to help you as you're figuring out what's next in your church. So you can find out about that newsletter at our website. You can also find out more about our conference there. It's RethinkLeadership.com. I've really enjoyed getting the the emails because, um, you know, you, you guys have done a great job of being able to um, bring in things that I normally wouldn't think of or or maybe I did and I didn't have a different perspective. Um, and so if you're listening to this and you're in ministry and you're a position of leadership, I encourage you, go to the Rethink Leadership uh, website. Make sure you sign up for uh, their emails. Uh, again, my name is Scott Blore. I'm the Ele- lead pastor at Elevation Christian Church out in Aurora, Colorado, um, along with my friend Jeff Surratt from Rethink Leadership. Um, what we're going to do is in the next segment is we're going to continue to talk about innovation, things that are different in ministry. Um, maybe you've got an idea. If you want to call in, please do. 303-873-1935. This is Crosswalk. Welcome back to Crosswalk. My name is Scott Bloyer. Nope, not Gino Dracy. He's not here. I get to fill in for him. It has been an honor and a pl- privilege to be able to be on 94.7 KS as we've been discussing how you can encourage your pastor because we've been looking at the statistics that they shared um, with uh, Barna Research on the Church Pulse Weekly podcast with David Kinneman and Kerry Newhoff. And then over the last um, hour, been able to spend some time talking with my friend Jeff Surratt. He's the executive director of Rethink Leadership. And uh, we do know that a lot of leaders in ministry have been struggling in fact, um, one of the things I talked about in the first hour is we, we started our pastor's prayer group because we were seeing pastors literally dying, um, committing suicide without um, having that support and encouragement in their life. And, and I know, Jeff, you've been involved in a lot of ministry, and we've seen a lot of pastors not only lose their life but disqualify themselves in ministry for some um, reason or another. And, and, and I know that there are ways that we can encourage our leaders and come alongside them. What are, what are some things that you think we could do when it comes to that kind of a situation? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's tragic anytime we see, uh, anyone, uh, forfeit their faith or, or, or lose their marriage, and especially, you know, what you were talking about is, 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 is giving up their life. Mm. And it's always a tragedy when it happens with a pastor. It just seems to be, out loud and in public, and sometimes it feels like, oh, it's it's megachurch pastors. They're the ones. Well, I think probably, Scott, those are the ones that we hear more about because more people know who they are. Right, right. Um, but you and I both know uh, men and women who are leaders in churches that are small that people don't know about, but they're exactly. struggling as well. And I think on one side of it, people are always like, why does that happen? Why? How could that possibly happen? I think it happens to all of us. And I know this is going to sound trite and 
maybe overly spiritual, but I, I have to go back to this again and again. When I find my identity and my fulfillment in anything but being a, a son of Jesus, a son of God, a, a brother of Jesus, I'm in trouble. Right. Like when I look right. to anything to fill that hole, that God-sized hole in my heart, and what happens is I think our success or our lack of success, our popularity or lack of popularity becomes central to us, and that begins to be what we either believe or dwell on. That's where we begin to lose that center in our lives, and no human is made to live that way. Right. And I think that's when we begin to see we begin to see leaders fail. How do we help? So I grew up in a pastor's home. Um, in fact, my, I, there's more pastors in my family there than there are people in Elizabeth, Colorado. Like we, <laughs> there's a lot of us, and. One of the things I noticed, my actually my wife's grandfather went to my dad's church. Uh, my wife's family went to another church, but my wife's grandfather went to my dad's church. And about once a week, my dad would get a phone call from, uh, his name was Hubert Sparks, and he'd say, this is Sparks here. I'm just calling to see how you're doing. Nothing, I don't need anything. There's nothing going on. I just wanted to call and see how you're doing and needed to know how I can pray for you this week. And I know from watching my dad that that was probably the most life-giving thing that happened mm, for him every yeah. week. And just how can we figure out? I, I loved, if, if you weren't listening in the 4 o'clock hour, Scott gave just some really good practical things you can do to, to uh, invest in your pastor. But what could you do? And, and maybe it's every week or every month. I don't know when. But could you put something on your calendar to, just mm. to encourage your pastor, just to say, hey, I'm thinking about you, I'm praying for you, I love you, I'm not asking anything of you. you. You would be surprised at how few emails or texts your pastor gets that aren't someone, a staff member, a volunteer, a, a, a deacon in the church that wants something from them. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But just to, can you fill that tank up? Can you stop and go, how? How could I? How could I fill up my pastor's tank today? Um, I, I, I think that would be incredible. You bet. I, I also think um, you know, as we've been talking about it, um, being able to do something for the pastor's spouse mm-hmm. or their kids, mm-hmm. you know, because sometimes um, those people see the burden that the, the the person that's in ministry is carrying more than anybody else, um, and they're the ones that may. You know, I've just been thinking about it as we've been talking. They may need more encouragement than the person who's in ministry because they're seeing what ministry is doing to the person in their life. And so um, I agree with him. Maybe it's an encouraging word to the pastor's wife or or their kids or, you know, um, just letting them know that they appreciate um, whether it's mom, dad, uh, what they're doing in ministry. I love that. Um, you, you've been in ministry for a really, really long time. Hey, hey, you know what? <laughs> we both know I'm older than you, so let's just, just okay. let it go with the really long time. Sorry, I didn't mean to say I know someone celebrated a birthday not too long ago. <clears throat> but, um, you know, it's one of those things where um, you've I, – I love that you're able to share that story about your dad. What are some things that you're seeing now that you see as an encouragement as someone who's – been in ministry for a long time? Um, You know, I I think uh, just finding a way, and and this is hard because it it could be weird (laughs) and creepy, but 
just finding ways just to be a friend to, yeah. to your pastor. Uh, and not, not, and everyone in the church can't be the pastor's best friend. Like that's just logistically not possible. Right. But I think it's so cool when I, I see if a pastor is, if your pastor is a, a guy and, and when men in the church just are friends, they're just friends with him. They just they invite him over when they're going to watch the ball game. Invite the pastor over, and and don't when you get to snack time or meal time, don't say, "Well, the pastor's here. Let's have him pray." <laughs> treat him like a treat him like a friend. You pray. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You you talk to God. You do the praying, right? I love like, it. And you know, Scott, it just means a lot, right? When, yeah. When you can just be one of the guys and. Uh, I think that's that's one of the best things. I think what you said, um, I was talking to a friend the other day, and, and it was actually they were talking about someone who was had lost someone in their in their home. But I mm. think this would apply as well. They said that one day someone knocked on the door, and that the lady was home, and she had children at home, and this could be her pastor's spouse. And uh, she opens the door, and there's somebody in the church, and they're standing there with a bottle of laundry detergent. And the lady said, "Hey, I'm here." I'm going to do your laundry. I'm not, that's not negotiable. I can stay in the laundry room and do it. Or if you have anything else that I could do while I'm here, I'd be glad wow. to, but I'm, I'm here to do your laundry. And they said that lady showed up every week wow. for like six months. And that kind of thing, right? Where I'm not asking for anything in return. No, yeah. I'm not asking you to figure out what I can do for you. I just care for you. So I'm just going to show up for you. Oh, that's that's incredible. I, I mean, literally being the hands and feet of Jesus in the life of someone who, especially if they've lost someone in their uh, in their home, man, that's that's a cool cool um, picture of care. Um, I know that for my wife and I, we are blessed to have you and Sherry in our lives, and we we've shared that at our church. We've shared that with other people in ministry. That um, we are very fortunate to say that we've got friends. Um, that in the midst of ministry, that if um, I'm just going to be blunt, if the day sucked, we can go to each other and go, hey, you know what? Today sucked. And I just need to sit down and and talk with you about it. And and, and so, Jeff, I want to thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of Crosswalk today. Uh, again, my name is Scott Bloor. I'm the lead pastor at Elevation Christian Church. And we've been talking with Jeff Surratt for Rethink Leadership. Um, if you want to know more information about Rethink Leadership, go find their website. Um, they are having a conference in April, not February, um, in April. And um, I, I think it would be a great opportunity for any leader to go and be a part of that, check out where it's at, what's going on. Um, uh, but one of the things that I, I've made a promise that as we do these kind of opportunities on the radio, the, that God gives me this opportunity is to remind people that, remember, God created you to have a relationship with him. You're not an oops. You're not a mistake. Um, it's the sin in our life that breaks that relationship, and, and, and you're never going to be good enough to fix that. You can't do it on your own. That's why Jesus came. He died on the cross. He rose again. And everyone who trusts in Jesus and Jesus alone can have a relationship with us starts now and lasts forever and so I just want to encourage you if you're going through something turn to Jesus trust in him um, just remember it's okay to not be okay but God doesn't want you to stay, stay that way let's see you tomorrow um, I'll be here on Crosswalk have a great day 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.